Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Speakers. Southwestern Speakers is comprised of top producing thought leaders, authors, and experts who deliver dynamic presentations that shift the hearts and minds of audiences worldwide. Our team of experienced agents can guide you to find the right speaker for your annual conferences, meetings, and events, providing outstanding service from start to finish. Southwestern Speakers goes above and beyond to elevate your event and offers additional programs to extend the impact of our speaker's presentation long after they have left the stage. We are delighted, uh, Action Catalyst listeners, to be here today with Mr. Mark Brown. He is beyond an inspirational speaker. He is an Emmy Award-nominated influencer of people. He came to the U.S. at the age of 18 from his home country of Jamaica with just two things, $40 in his pocket and a dream of a better life. And today he's become one of the most popular and significant inspirational speakers in all the world. In 1995, 20,000 contestants from 14 countries entered the World Championship of Public Speaking Competition, and Mark defeated them all, was named the world champion. And since then, he's delivered more than 3,500 presentations to more than 1.7 million people in five different continents. Mark is really focused on helping people overcome fear. Now, we all feel these fears, but if they can overcome them and reach their maximum potential, then they'll be able to deliver great good to the world. He's been featured in numerous publications and hit his own PBS special, Words Count with Mark Brown that was nominated for an Emmy Award. Absolutely phenomenal. Many industries and major corporations bring Mark in to share his message and his insights. And he's also a guest lecturer at premier academic institutions such as Penn State, Xavier, and the University of Florida, influencing young people and faculty who teach them is fantastic. He lives in Lazella, Georgia with Andrea, his wife of more than 35 years. What up with that? Well done. Ah, ah thank you. I appreciate that. And they have three adult and diversely talented children. So, Mark Brown, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure. Good to be here. Well, this is so great. Well, let's let's jump back uh, forty years or so. What what was it that brought you to the U.S. and when you first arrived here with that forty dollars in your pocket and a dream? What were some of the significant pivot points and turns of the road that got you to where you are now? Well, besides an airplane, uh, I I left. <laughs> My father, at 47, one of the most gutsy men I ever knew, he was my hero, at 47, chose to start a brand new life in, a, in America, a chance for, for us to do better. And he had a you know, wife, three teenage kids, and he sent me to New York to live with his, with his sister, my aunt, who, who took me in, thankfully. But he believed that even though he could only afford to give me 40 bucks at the time, that I would make it. So when you say challenges, you come to a new country, you know only a few people. One of the first challenges, of course, is to, is, to, is to fit in, is to assimilate. At the time, I had a very heavy Jamaican accent, which I can still turn on in a moment. Just ask the man, and we can do it for you. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I had to adjust to life in a new country, in a new culture. And at 18, you're starting a brand new life. 
and one of the biggest uh, hurdles for me was was what I call my Harry Belafonte moment. He sings a song called Jamaica Farewell. And the chorus goes, sad to say I'm on my way. Won't be back for many a day. My heart is down. My head is turning around. I got to leave a little girl in Kingston Town. Well, Dan, I did that. I left a little girl in Kingston Town. Her name was Andrea. Her name still is Andrea. And she became my wife. Last week was 37 years we got married. But leaving the love of your life behind with hardly any money, a place to stay, and no job, a few things come quickly into perspective. One is I have to do that which is necessary to build a life for myself. I got a job at a bank within a couple of days as a bank teller, and I was doing well in training. I got out of training, and I messed up, and I gave a customer too much money twice the same weekend. And I lost that job, began to work in a vault, and then took a test for computer programming aptitude, which happened to be a good thing for me. I, I, I went on a test and a new career sprung up in 1981 when I was 19 years old. And I realized through every area of my life, I'm going to have challenges. I'm going to face some difficulties. I had a difficult time communicating because I was afraid that my accent would be too heavy and people wouldn't listen to me. But I had to overcome that to make myself more accessible, to be more aggressive, to be more assertive. And eventually, I got into computer programming. I moved from the bank through different mergers to Reader's Digest. And there I discovered Toastmasters. I, my, I, I joined the club because my uncle was the first Toastmaster in Jamaica. Late Supreme Court Judge Courtney R. brought the program there. I said, I'll try it. And I was scared. I was intimidated by the people who were there. They were so good. I thought, I can't do what they do. But I stuck with the program, and wonder of wonders, over time, I began to develop and grow, eventually found a speech contest, which is a story in itself, but the Reader's Digest condensed version is, I won that contest in 1995, and my life has not been the same since. During that process, Andrew and I got married in 82, have three wonderful brats, I mean, I mean offspring, <laughs> ages now 24, 32, and 35, and it has been quite a journey but a journey that continues through the ups and downs. And I get great satisfaction now when I get a chance to meet an audience and share my story with them, share lessons I've, lessons I've learned with them from being a father, being a husband, being an employee, being an entrepreneur, to help people realize if a skinny, not need buck teeth kid from Kingston, Jamaica, can come to America with 40 bucks, gain a world title, and have influence on five continents, it's nothing that we can't do, nothing that you can't do. Mm-hmm. That is just fantastic. Uh, now, I did have a chance to listen to your acceptance speech when, when you won that award. Oh, wow. And you spoke, <laughs> about, you spoke about how amazing it was to be standing there when just two years before you'd been on your deathbed. Ah, yes. Second chances. Oh, my gosh. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, the summer of 1993. What a, oh, what a summer that was. In 1993, I mean, I was doing well. I was doing soccer, my favorite sport. I call it football because you use your foot to kick a ball but i was refereeing soccer i was you know, active and i collapsed one day in the parking lot of a local shopping market in uh, yonkers new york i lived in uh, back in i live in new york and i collapsed i passed out i was rushed to hospital and i was told the good news was i had multiple pulmonary emboli that was several blood clots in the lungs i have blocked about 65 percent scary the bad news was there was one massive clot inside the left atrium of my heart, and I was destined to die. I was given a 
best a 50-50 chance of survival. All this with a wife and two small children at home because Anding was born in 84 and Joel was born in 86, my, my daughter and my, old, my oldest son. So they were, they were, under, they were under 10 years old. And, uh, and I was in bad shape. A lot of prayer, some good doctoring, and a drug called TPA to break the clots up, which had not been used in that way before. It really, it really helped save my life. But the interesting thing is this. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everybody. I'm not preaching here, Dan. I'm just saying my belief here. Uh, because I went to my uh, cardiologist, and I asked him, based on what you've told me, why am I still here? And he gave me this wonderful clinical medical response that I can't, I can't match. He said, I have no idea. It's the grace of God. I said, okay, that must mean something. And I felt from that moment on, I really made a decision, Dan, to devote myself to being the best human being I could be, the best husband, the best father, the best dad. And I really began to pursue speaking more aggressively. And that led me to, to really pursuing excellence, not only as a speaker, but as a person. And it really was, I mean, my doctor, my primary care doctor, my wife sat in his office crying when he told her the news. My, my, my aunt, who's a nurse, had called my sister in Florida and said, listen, I don't know when you can come, but somebody needs to come now. You may not see him alive again. That's how dire my case was. I'm thankful I survived it, but I can't forget that. I can't forget that I've been given a second chance at life and I must live that life to the fullest and do what I can for my wife, my kids, the God I serve and the people around me because I consider myself a servant of others in whatever way I can. And that's why I've been out there on the road giving talks to young people, to kids, to high schoolers, to colleges, to businesses, to entrepreneurs, to companies. And that's why I feel so happy to be aligned with Southwestern and they give me a chance to do this more, more frequently. I believe my purpose is to really help other people with the chances that I've been given in my life. That is just fantastic, Mark. As you know, our whole corporate mission is to help people achieve their dreams and goals in life and to, That's correct. Yeah. to empower them and enable them to move forward and help others as well. So delighted to be on the same team with you, partner. Well, my pleasure and happy to be alive to do it. You know, and there's one thing, this may sound kind of corny or, or goofy, but I mentioned Dr. Anthony Mercando, who's a, a cardiologist out of New York uh, State. I think he's retired now. I think he is. But that was June 23rd of 1993 when I got my second chance. And every year, on or about June 23rd, I either visit Dr. Mercando or call Dr. Mercando on the phone. And the last time we met face-to-face was two years ago. But it's been 25 years. And I know... In two months, should I still have life, around about June 23rd, around this time, in two months, I will either email or call Dr. Macando and say, thank you. I've done so every year for 25 years. And I'm sad, to te- I'm sad to tell you this, Dan. He told me I'm the only one in his career of over 30 years who's ever done that. But I am so grateful to him and to have my life. I can't help but do that. And it's these kinds of attitudes and actions I encourage people to take in their own lives. When someone blesses you and helps you, encourage them, respond to them, and then pay it forward. So our lives are to be lived in service to others. Well, and maybe in some cosmic, mystical way, you thanking Dr. Macondo is the same reason that a girl who heard you talk when she was in middle school wrote to you seven years later to say oh, she Oh, wow. Yeah, Raquel. <laughs> Man, you did your homework, Dad. 
Oh, oh. my gosh. Yeah, Raquel. Uh, I don't know what she looks like. All I know is one day I get an email that said, Hi, I'm Raquel. You don't know me. You spoke at my school seven years ago, and you gave your words count speech. And the words count program is the one that got me the Emmy nomination. She said, um, I still remember what you said. I use your words, people I, who I see every day being rude, my coworkers. And, you know, you may not know who I am or, or, or you may not recall my school, but I want to say thank you because you changed my life. I mean, for her to, to, to track me down and find me, you know, in a different company, different work, she, she tracked me down, Dan, to say thank you. And I, I, you know, that just really moves me that she would do that. So, wow, you got me good that time, buddy. <laughs> Give me sweaty eyeballs, man. Come on. Well, no, this <laughs> It, it's all about sharing, and that's totally what your life is about, is sharing and giving, which is so great. Tell us a little bit about Words Count, uh, the, the message there. Well, the Words Count message was born out of, funny enough, it was born out of a, an evening I had with my kids back in the early 1990s watching a VHS videotape. For the millennials out there, a VHS videotape looks like a book size. Never mind. It's a, a, recording, <laughs> it's a recording medium. I'm watching Beauty and the Beast, and a scene shows up where in the film where the bad guy in the movie, Gaston, uh, who was jealous of Belle, liking this creature called the Beast, who lives alone in a castle, not really bothering anybody. But he, it, he motivates and he almost, he, he, he gets the whole village riled up by using the influence he had. And he got an entire village to attack a castle of the beast who was been by himself this whole time. And while they march through the forest, they're singing these words, we don't like what we don't understand. In fact, it scares us. And this monster is mysterious at least. Bring your guns, bring your knives, save your children, save your wives. We'll save our village and our lives. We'll kill the beast. And literally, Dan, I stopped the video. I did that rewind, I replayed the scene, and I forced my kids to watch that scene again. I said, guys, this is a moment for you to learn something. I call it my daddy moment. I chant to teach my kids a lesson. I said, so many of us don't take the opportunity or time to get to know someone. We allow one person to rile us up, to turn us against somebody who is different, and we don't give them a chance to reveal to us who they really are. And that hit me so powerfully, I used that movie to write the seven minute speech which i then used to win the world championship and i developed that into a 45 minute youth program for junior high schools which i've given to over a million kids in the last 25 years and somebody in maine said we ought to record this on audio and i said fine we, we did an audio recording it was broadcast in a program called speaking in maine and the producer called me and told me they got more requests for Audio cassette overdubs, not audio cassette millennials, is a recording media. media. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the main PBS heard about this and they contacted us and said, Can we do a, a live, can we do a video uh, of you doing it, live audience, for our, for our fun drive in Maine in the fall of uh, in the fall? So they said, Sure. They recorded it, had a live audience brought in, had a wonderful program, had a follow up material, had a, and a bonus material, and a videotape. And somebody took that and submitted that to the Academy of TV, Arts, and Sciences. I got an Emmy nomination for it. I didn't even know about this. I was asked to go to Boston for the Emmy Awards. And this guy, Dick Bergeron from America's Funniest Home Videos, was the MC. And 
I did not win the Emmy. I could not beat a production of the Diary of Anne Frank. You know, not beat Anne Frank. <laughs> but the idea of this idea, my kids and I watching a movie, I see a lesson for my kids. I share that with an audience. It becomes used across the world. And the video of my speech is still on, on YouTube to this day. And people still talk about the movie and the video and the message. And I talked about intolerance, indifference, and ignorance. And I found out it's a global, universal, timeless message. We are intolerant. We become indifferent. We become ignorant and we don't realize if we just simply take time to get to know each other and build better relationships, the pipe dream of a better world can become that much more close to reality. And I never saw that coming when I first did this back in 1994. Who knew? 25 years later. Well, the world totally needs that message more now than ever before. And uh, Sadly, that's true, Dan. Sadly, that's true. Yeah. So, so key. Um, Along the way, as you've as you've built your your speaking career, your reputation, surely you've hit some brick walls. Things that beyond the health scare that was so frightening and, and vital, uh, things that just derailed you, that knocked you for a loop that you weren't expecting. What 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 have you learned about dealing with these? Go around the corner and suddenly, bam! Your face is flat against the brick wall. I love what Alan Saunders wrote in Reader's Digest back in the nineteen forties. I think. His words became popular thanks to John Lennon. He said, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. And yes, the health scare certainly was one. And I had, listen, it's no matter if, it's a matter of when you hit a brick wall. It's how you respond to it. What options do you make available to you? How creative can you be to find ways around it? You know, I grew up in Jamaica. I'm not going to knock my third world country. But here's truth, Dan. I can remember growing up in a time where we had scheduled power outages. Okay, we had scheduled water cutoffs. There were days you knew by five o'clock, lights off, we all had our kerosene lamps and our candle because that was what was going to happen. And a phrase was created years ago that became very popular, which says, turn your hand, make fashion, which means literally turn your hands and make a fashion. The gist is, when faced with a situation or a circumstance, be creative and find a way to work around it. So I grew up with that philosophy in Jamaica, knowing that we'd have to deal with the obstacles in our lives. So beyond a physical health scare, I have had financial concerns. I've had job issues. I've had to leave out before. But what do you do? You find a way to work around it. And you, you had to go up, over, under, beneath, or through. But there's always a way out if you're willing to invest the time, the energy, and the effort to be creative, to fall back on the lessons that you have learned. And for me, I find great strength in individuals who walk alongside you, not the least of whom for me is my wife, Andrea, of 37 years. Because what people don't have to understand is we had a brick wall early in our marriage. We got married in April of 82. I was living in New York. She in Jamaica. We got married, and two weeks after our wedding, I came back to New York. It took her 10 months to get a visa to leave Jamaica to join me. So you're newlywed for two weeks, and you'll wish your wife for 10 months. You have to work way around that. You have to be creative. And life is going to throw things at you every, every time you think it's safe. As the old Jaws land, just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water, right? Right. So what are some of the principles? You have to fall back on your foundation. 
What is important to you at the core? What kind of character were you raised with? What are your core values? You stand back on those. You'll find this also. I have no shame to admit this. There have been times I've been given help by other people, and I accept it. No time for false pride, okay? And the thing is, help has come to me from other individuals without me asking for it. And I want to believe, Dan, because I have also taken opportunity to help other people along the, along the way. When you live a life that serves others and blesses others, when you're up against a brick wall, what goes around comes around. You know, it, it's a matter of being resolute. Where am I now? I got to assess. What are my options? What's the low-hanging fruit? What's the best way to get out of this predicament? What is the easiest way out first before the big plan can fall into place? What's eth- ethical, morally right, and legal that I can do to get past this hurdle? You know, and who do I who who can who can I lean on? Who who can I count on to help me walk through the season of my life? And life has seasons, and thankfully, I've had some very very good ones, some painful ones. But through all of those seasons, there are those people who walk with me. Every step of the way, again, not the least of whom is my wife, my wife, Andrea, 37 years and counting. God bless her. She's a saint to be with me that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe you're a newlywed because we have passed 41 years in our family. So, Oh, God bless. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, 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 look, I told her I'm still learning. I'm still in training. Uh, I hope it. I get it right. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I think our wives deserve the persistence award. So uh, no question. She's a, she's a darling, darling. I love what you just said, that there are people that we can count on. And if we live a life of service, then in some unknown fashion, people will respond when we need the help and it'll be there unexpectedly. Um, But it's it's cosmic. It's mysterious. I think it's divine. And it works that way. I believe it. Uh, I've I've experienced it. I've done it. And uh, I'm thankful for it. And I want to point out one thing again. I said it before, Dan, when you're you're up against a, a wall, when you're being a rock in a hard place, that's not the time for your pride to, to, to take over. Because I believe being willing to accept help when you need it is not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, I believe it's a sign of strength. To have the moral, the moral character to know that there, there, there's no shame in asking for and receiving help when you need it. Uh, we, we live in a country where you look up for number one, you were told to, you live your American dream, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and I get that. But I'd be lying to you if I told you I did this all on my own. And I, I, I believe the old song says, no man is an island, no man walks alone. And we, we can serve each other, we can lift each other, we can elevate each other, we can build each other, and that way the whole world becomes better. And one of those steps is to simply say, you know, thank you. And, and please... When you get help, say thank you. Don't be overly falsely modest. Just say thank you because you're going to bless somebody else and they will thank you too. That is a fantastic insight. And I'm making notes for myself as well as our listeners. So thank you. I appreciate that, Dan. I do appreciate that. Um, Now, you have been so well-known. You've traveled the world. You've spoken to so many people. You've delivered this message. You've been the world champion. How How do you keep growing? How do you fight that little monster that sits on our left shoulder whispering, it's okay. Coast now. You're fine. Just uh, take it easy. Coast? No, 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 no. I believe, Dan, if I stop learning, I stop living. And some of the ways to do that may sound simple and cliche, but, you know, I have in my bottom drawer here, I have a thing called a book. 
you read books, okay? You read books because they help educate you. And sometimes books will give you reminders of things that you've done before and things you may have forgotten. You know, one of my, one of my talks on personal growth, I talk about going back to basics. And I, I, I say that because in our 21st century, we're always trying to find the next new thing, new technology, new ideas, new methodology. But your foundation is never going to change. Now, I don't know what kind of house you have, Dan, if you built your dream house, if you ever, ever remodeled a house or not. Have you ever gone to a house remodeled, Dan? Okay. Now, did you, did you maybe done a bathroom, a kitchen, a, a living room, a bedroom, but did you ever rip out your foundation and rebuild that? No, because that's always there. And for me, part of learning is going back to basics. Read books. If you don't have time to read the book, look, I write, I write my writing tractor to cut my grass. It's a three-hour job. What do I do? I get audible. I put the books on here, put my headphones on. I listen to a book. I find that I need mentors. There are people who can still mentor me, who will help me, instruct me, guide me, who I can call on. Before my father passed away in 2017, I'd call him up. He's 84 years old. Hey, Dad, what do you think of this? I keep learning by going to those who have gone before. I still draw on the wisdom of the aged and the wisdom of the ages. I appreciate my Chinese friends. They revere the elderly. Many of us, what we do with our elderly, put them in a nursing home. Whoa, 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 Stop, pause, pause. When's the last time you sat at the feet of an 85-year-old man and let him talk to you? Bring your phone, click record, and just talk to Uncle Dan. Talk to Grandpa. There's wisdom there. That's how I learned and grew. I used to call my dad all the time. And he was such an example to me of how life should be lived. So go to a seminar, you know, attend an event. I go to conferences every year. I go to Toastmasters. I go to the National Speakers Convention. You know, my wife is involved in, in marketing. I'm going to go with her this week to her convention. There are ways to learn and grow. And this may sound kind of weird to you, but watch TV and look at the internet sometimes with a filter. Find out what's going on in the world around you. And when someone sends you information, fact check, double fact check, and, and also triple fact check. But find out what's going on around you. Be aware. Talk to young people. They see things differently. Get their perspective. Because the broader your perspective is, the more you can help other people, the more understanding you have what's going on around you. I spent 20 plus years in junior high school with kids who were 13 years old, but I began to hear how they think. I began to understand what they feel in my own kids to this day. I love having those conversations. What's the world look like from their vantage point? You know, so I, I, to me, I learn and grow by learning to see the world from other people's point of view. I also find I learn by teaching. If I have a skill that I teach, I become better at that skill. So there are many ways to grow throughout our lives. I know those few have helped me tremendously over the past several years, and I continue to learn and grow every single day. That's great. Because when we stop learning, we stop growing. And the next stage is we atrophy and then we're gone. That's it. We're out of here. Whew. Well done. <laughs> well done. Um, Mark, is there a way that you, you start your day, a thought process that you have formed the habit of adopting first thing in the morning when you achieve consciousness? Well, I like to, I, I don't want to take, swing my feet out of my bed until I pray. For me, it's prayer. For others, it's meditation, it's affirmations, whatever. I'm not by any means proselytizing here, but as a Christian, I pray. And I don't want my feet to hit that floor before I go to God first. 
and ask for his guidance through the day. I also don't want to go to bed at night saying, thank you for the day I've had so far. Help me to make it better. So my prayers bookend my day. And that's what I do every single day. I certainly try to do something physical, like walk, um, do some calisthenics, push-ups, crunches. I want to be physically active because I, I got to take care of the body he's given to me. That's important. But, but yeah, I start my days um, with the God I serve. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. It's the source of everything. Yes. And that gratitude, that sense of gratefulness oh. starts the day well. Oh, yes. I'm thankful. Good. Mark, I know that you've been a mentor also for so many people. We have listeners right now whose businesses are, are hitting tremendous obstacles. Uh, some people that are losing their business, uh, they're discouraged. What, what would you share to encourage somebody who's, who's literally out of aces? Mm. Just on <laughs> I must be honest with you, Dan. I know exactly how that feels. And uh, I say, well, I don't know what to do next. Sometimes, this is going to be hard. Um, sometimes it may mean that the particular lane you are in, maybe you have gone through a season and that your lane is shifting. You know, I grew up in, in, in the computer programming world, and I left computer programming and analysis in 1998 and got into speaking. I have clients who have had three or four or five careers. And one thing to note is that, you know, years ago, you noticed, Danny, would be go to school, go to college, get a job, and you work your 40 years and get a gold watch and you're done. But now careers are shifting at a rapid pace with entrepreneurship, uh, even being a course in college now, entrepreneurship. So we have to be always mindful of, is there something I can be doing in addition to this to provide an alternative income source or multiple income streams. Now, if you are at a point in your business where you have tried everything you could possibly think of, ask yourself, have I sought mentors? Have I been with those who have been where I have? Can I align myself through my network with somebody who was faced this challenge? Can they probably advise me? Maybe they can't give me financial backing or maybe they can't give me all the answers, but maybe they have been through this before and something that they have seen or learned or some mistake they have made, they can use to help me. Uh, One thought I've had is uh, we often go to people in our industry when our industry job is not working out or our business might might not be working out, but sometimes our focus need not always be on the people in our industry. We may have a relative or somebody else in our social circle who we never thought of consulting with because they don't know, understand our business, but they may not need to know your business to know the concepts surrounding business. And you may have an untapped resource you never knew was there. Go into your phone book. Who have you not spoken to who might be able to guide you? Look at your network. Maybe there may be a third-party connection, not a first-party connection. That, and LinkedIn really has helped me tremendously to build my network that way. And maybe it might be going back to an old idea, an old concept, an old practice that maybe you had abandoned or was laying dormant because you were trying to get ahead, but maybe old school might be good for you. I don't know. I don't know what idea it may be. I'm only giving principles here and concepts here. Um, And the other one is, for me, has been one of collaboration. You know, when one's an entrepreneur, you often think, okay, I'm going to build my business. I'm going to do this well. I'm going to have success. 
but maybe it might be a good idea to to collaborate with somebody else. I have recall I was working full time, getting paid very very well, six figure income, and the company I worked for made a decision to cancel or actually to remove my position. It wasn't personal, I guess. Well, for me it was because it was my position, mm-hmm. but they chose to go in a different direction. And I had mentioned it in passing to a friend of mine that I'm going to be doing my own thing. And he said, hey, maybe I can help you. I didn't tell him for him to help me. I didn't think, okay, I'm going to call him and he's going to give me a job. No, I didn't think of that. But he was willing to offer some support and collaboration. And we maintained that relationship for years. And we still do products together to this very day. And we often think, I've got to fix this myself. And again, our success comes from those who we, who we lean on. And going through difficult times, those who really care about you, they'll show up and they'll show out. Uh, I wish I could say to you, if your business is tanking right now, close the doors and go and sell tacos. That may not be the answer. <clears throat> but maybe it could be a restructuring. It, may, it could be allowing somebody who was considered uh, buying your business, allowing them to do that. It may be entering in some kind of a partnership or an agreement that you did not want to do, but it might be a good thing if you really assess it. And sometimes it just it, it boils down to the first step being seeking wise counsel by somebody who, who's, whose advice you can trust and take, even if it's not the advice you want to hear. Because obstacles are going to come everyone's way. And sometimes having a business uh, not work might be the best thing to ever happen to you. But I, I can't pretend to have all the answers, but I hope something there, somebody find a nugget there that can help them to, to, to move forward. Yes, more, more than one, more than one nugget, Mark. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I see you taking notes you, with your, I see you doing your note thing, taking things. I hope it's, uh, you got at least one valuable tidbit there for you, Dan. <laughs> pages, pages of notes. I would, I would uh, show them to you. I got you. I, I see it. I see hieroglyphics and, uh, but I can read them. So it's, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Well, Mark, we're, we're going to have to end this time. It goes incredibly fast with you. Wow. Yeah. 35 minutes already. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I look forward to the opportunity to, to spend more time with you and share these thoughts and continue to do what we're meant to do. Make well, you know, you know what? Um, I appreciate the, the invitation to be, to be a part of your program. You know, when, when you think of a, an action catalyst, you think of, of somebody who was going to make things happen or, or do things themselves or make things happen. And I don't always think of myself as the one who's going to create, be catalytical in some way, be a catalyst to, 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 to spark somebody else to act. But I have, to, I have to admit this. I realize that each of us in some way and at some point, Dan, have the opportunity and I dare say the responsibility to inspire someone else to either start doing something, to stop doing something, or to start doing something differently that will enhance their own experience and hopefully have an impact, a positive impact on someone else's life in some meaningful way. And, you know, you did say correctly, Southwestern Uber companies, family of companies, we want to help people to achieve their goals in life, whatever that goal may be. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to be a part of what you're doing, to be a part of what Southwestern is doing uh, through my my speech coaching and through my my keynote speaking and my workshop presenting. And hopefully when it's all said and done, who knows, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when I'm no longer on this side of, of, of the dirt and somebody mentions my name, 
they'll say, yeah, he was a guy who inspired me. He was a guy who encouraged me. He was a guy who came to my school when I was 13 and, and changed the way I thought. Or he was a guy I heard on the Accent Catalyst podcast who gave me an idea that turned my business around. I don't know. I hope, it, I hope it'll be so, Dan, but I want to thank you for the opportunity and for the privilege of serving you and your listeners today. It was truly my, my honor and my pleasure. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.